welcome to GradCast, the official podcast and radio show of the Society of Graduate Students and Western University. I'm your host, Jordan Vanderbert. I'm your co-host, Carly Sharon. And today we're broadcasting an episode from our hashtag graduated life series. Our guests are all Western grad school alumni. Uh, today we're talking with Patrick Langill. Welcome to GradCast. Thanks. Um, so I guess to get started, can you tell us when you graduated from Western and what degree or research project you worked on? Yep, I uh, graduated in 2016 um, and I did a master's of science in biology. And my project was looking at a drought stress induced promoter of a gene from a rice plant. And we were trying it out in a new model um, grass species that they were trying to develop. Nice, and, and how did that go? What did you, did you find anything really interesting with that? Uh, we found that it worked just like it did in rice in this new species, Brachypodium. Uh, that was the name of the new species. Uh, originally, the project started off a little differently. We were going to modify parts of the promoter. The promoter is what turns the gene on and off. We we're going to modify parts of that and see which parts were like the essential parts for drought stress. Um, but it ended up really just being testing the whole thing and seeing if it works as a complete promoter. Okay, that's interesting. Was the goal of this kind of to see if you could then use that in other like crop species to improve their their drought tolerance? Yeah, that was the idea. Like. Uh, <laughs> The big model plant is uh, dicot and monocots are like the other big species of plants. So grasses and things like that. And there wasn't uh, a very established model for monocots. So brachypodium was supposed to be like the new model for that. So we were just trying to develop tools that people could use in that species. Okay, neat. Yeah. So how did you, how did you get into this? How did you get into this research here at Western? What, what got you here? I was studying... I did the molecular biology and genetics program at McMaster for my undergrad. And then for my undergrad thesis, I was in the co-op program. So it was one of those things where you had to do your thesis in certain labs. Um, and the thesis supervisor I had was one of the few plant researchers at McMaster and found I really liked plants. Um, it was something that was interesting to me, but I found I liked the working with them for research too. So I was looking for something agriculture related when I was looking at grad schools and my family's from London. London happens to have uh, Agriculture Canada here. Uh, so I started interviewing some with some uh, supervisors and that's that ended up being the project I was working on. Nice. So um, I understand you're kind of in a completely different field now from what you did your research. Yeah. Can you tell us kind of a bit about what you're doing now? Yeah, so right now I'm teaching. So I was the last four years I've been teaching grade seven here in London and starting next September or this coming September, I'll be teaching high school science. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about what got you from your graduate studies to what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. Uh, when I was doing the graduate studies, um, I was finding research wasn't really for me, like kind of got into it thinking, yeah, I'll keep going with the PhD and like see where things go from there. I uh, found that wasn't really for me. I was looking for something a little more social, a little more different hours, different uh, <laughs> different demands, right? There's a lot. One thing with grad school, you always have to defend what you're thinking, um, which is important for that. But I found that to be stressful for me personally. So at one point, I was thinking of doing, there's a program at Laurentian for science communication. Um, so I was looking into that and kind of had my eyes set on that after my first year of grad uh, school. And then as I got going, reading more about those kind of careers, I thought I have some family members who are teachers and I thought I was looking into science communication because you get to still share your knowledge that you learned in grad school and undergrad 
um, but just in a different way. But looking at that lifestyle too, it was one where you kind of had to establish yourself as a writer and like build your reputation. And there wasn't such a direct path. Whereas teaching, I thought maybe you could do similar type things, but it's more stable and has more of a career path and um, it's a little more laid out for you. So that's what got me into teaching. And you took a really interesting path to get to the teaching. Do you want to, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, I was looking at teaching like mostly uh, Western and Trent at the time had uh, something specific for science teachers. So those were kind of the two teaching programs I was looking at. Um, and I ended up going to a grad fair at Western um, at some point after I graduated. And there was a guy there from a program called uh, Can Teach. And his whole thing is he facilitates students going from Canada to Australia, New Zealand, and England or Wales uh, to do their teacher's college. So I got talking to him and it was, it just worked out really nice. Uh, if I wanted to go to Western for teacher's college, it would have been a two-year program. Um, and I would have had to wait, this was October. So I would have had to wait till the following September to start. Um, whereas New Zealand, I could start in uh, January. So I ended up going to New Zealand. It was a one-year program. I was graduated before I would have uh, even been starting my second year at Western. Um, and it was just a great experience all around. It was awesome. So I guess that teaching wasn't always your main goal. So did you kind of have a different vision when you started grad school as, you, as to what you'd be doing in the end? Yeah, I was thinking I'd probably continue with research and mm -hmm. look at a PhD project or work in industry or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, teaching, I had a little bit of experience in that kind of field, like with summer camps and um, teaching swimming lessons and those kind of things. So I knew I liked that kind of work. Um, I've got a sister who's a teacher, so I can kind of see like her coming home. Uh, and talking about her day and certain things like she'd come home and talk about this really dramatic thing that happened with this kid that she had to help solve. And that would be like, that was stressful in its way, but I'd be stressed out about like a PCR result not coming in and thinking like, this doesn't matter to anyone else in the world, but me, right? Like <laughs> these aren't the problems I want to be having. And I liked like, yeah, the interactions you get to do, um, the way you relate to people and uh, kind of the opportunities, like you can coach and you can join clubs and do things like that. Um, so that's what kind of pushed me towards teaching instead of the research. Do you do any coaching or like leading any extracurriculars or anything like that? In the grade school, like uh, the past few years, I've done like after school math help and coached uh, volleyball a few times and things like that. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So did you find that a lot of the skills, because I know you mentioned swimming lessons and as a, as a graduate student at Western, you would have done teaching assistant. Um, did you find that these really helped you develop skills that helped with the teaching? Was there, there were a lot of transferable skills from being a teaching assistant maybe for uh, undergraduate students to elementary school? Yeah, for sure. Because uh, like one thing I didn't necessarily consider before going into teaching was um, like, sure, I was thinking, oh, I, know, I have this knowledge, right? This is a way I can apply it and maybe use some different skills that I, I'm not using in research, right? What I wasn't really factoring is like, yeah, a YouTube video can give them, can like stand up there and talk to them, right? Like that's not necessarily the biggest part of the teaching, right? It was a lot about relating to people and how to like motivate people when they come to challenges and things like that. Um, so being a TA, that really helped because same thing, like students are learning challenging things, you're kind of coaching them through it, how to um, stick with it and how they can find solutions. Um, relating to different people like I mean you meet a million different people in grad school everyone's working on their own little niche thing and you've got to kind of 
like you probably don't understand it at first. You got to ask the right questions, right? So all those kind of skills really helped out with teaching. What would you say kind of the most difficult thing about teaching is like, especially elementary school children? Uh, probably like, I guess that would be the most difficult thing, like dealing with the, the behaviors and not necessarily knowing like what's going on in the kid's life outside of school and how they're, what they're bringing into school and what they're dealing with like outside or if they're acting out, why they're acting out and how you can kind of bring them back on your side. Um, that's something I've definitely learned. I, and I think starting in, I didn't necessarily want to teach grade school when I got into teaching and that was just the opportunities that were available to start out. But I think it's been good because you learn a lot about like the younger kids, they just kind of wear it all on their sleeves. Right. So <laughs> it's a lot easier to, or maybe not easier, but you do learn a lot about, um, managing the behaviors and helping them out like emotionally and socially and things like that. Yeah. I'm actually going to bounce off of that and ask, um, do you think, what do you think the main differences are going to be between what you've been doing with the younger kids and with the older kids? Cause you've already mentioned a few of the, of the differences you might expect, but. Yeah. So teaching grade seven, like they're kind of right in that spot where like you don't really know what you're getting I guess because they're right about to hit puberty so like some of them think like they're already too cool for school they're over it other kids are still a little younger um like socially and uh they still want to have fun at school I get they all want to have fun at school but they're not like putting that out there that they're too cool for it um in high school I think they will be all more mature so you'll be able to relate to them different ways though because you'll be able to talk to them a little more like adults um and a little less like children but some might be motivated uh, also because they're going to university after this and their grades might actually count for where they get in and what they're able to do in the future. Other ones might not be, might not have a career in science in mind. Um, so they might be totally unmotivated in those courses. So <laughs> could go either way still. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. And so you'll be teaching science then. Will that be what you're mainly teaching? Will you be teaching anything else? Yeah. Um, my understanding is I'll be teaching science <laughs> for the rest of the time I'm there. I think they can place you kind of where there's needs. But uh, from what I know, next year, I'm teaching grade nine science the first term and uh, a little bit of grade nine the second term and grade 11 bio. Yeah. Nice. Can you tell us a little bit about teaching during COVID? What was that like trying to teach elementary school kids virtually? Did you have to come up with any kind of elaborate uh, teaching methods? <laughs> when COVID first hit, like we went to uh, March break. And I remember that first, like the Thursday before March break, the principal coming in and I was doing the after school math program. So I only had like a handful of kids with me. And uh, he came in and he whispers, he goes, yeah, they're going to extend March break by two weeks. Like it's going to be three weeks now because of this COVID thing. And like, I hadn't heard much about it before then. So I'm like, that's insane. Like they never cancel two weeks of school. Like that just never happens. Um, and then the kids are all asking like, oh, what's going on what's going on I'm like guys March break's canceled like no more March break <laughs> like, like no you're lying um but I figured if I tell them they get three weeks they'll just lose their minds uh <laughs> and then there was a girls basketball game going on at the same time and like 10 minutes later some kid comes in and goes March breaks three weeks <laughs> so they were gone for the rest of the night so they were kind of excited at first I think because they got a little extra time at home but then the main challenge was nobody really knew what they were doing with all the online platforms and in some communities, like the school I was at, the community there, not every uh, family had a computer even at home. So we were kind of, the expectations were a little less then because they were trying to make sure everyone has access to it um, fairly. So we were just kind of posting things 
Um, and a lot of families didn't really know what was going on. So they weren't necessarily pushing their kids to log on and do it. So I tried to do things that were a little more open, like instead of working through the curriculum so much, I did like a science fair project. Like here's a list of things you could investigate. And like, here's some websites that'll show you little experiments to do. Here's a template for a write-up and just go have fun and share it with the class kind of thing. And that I think helped because they could go outside and do that and then just have their parents record it on the phone and post it. Um, they could comment on each other's kind of thing. Uh, the second year coming back, I was, they sent out a questionnaire, like who wants to teach online? Any teachers want to volunteer? Nobody did. <laughs> so based on seniority, I got put online for the year. Um, Cause it was kind of a first come first serve thing. Uh, and that was really tough because same kind of thing, except students had the option they could choose. Did they want to go in to school in person? or did they want to be online? And so a lot of the people online were prepared for it, but it was still really hard to motivate kids to actually log on because parents don't have the time to sit there and like supervise all day, make sure they're not on other websites or playing video games, or I don't know, just have the computer running and they're reading a book in the corner, right? <laughs> so some students like the school board made it very, um, as low pressure as they could and like as, as good mental health wise as they could um, for the students. And some students really thrived that way. Some students like did not submit a thing all year and you could you can call home and you can send emails and all that, but just they weren't into it. They, it wasn't working for them. Uh, so you had to be really creative how you, what assignments you did so they could kind of enjoy it. Well, you always want them to enjoy it, but in a different way, cause you're online, they're stuck at the computer. They can't get up and move um, and try and make it social for them because that's a like big part of grade school, right? Is how they're interacting with their friends and how they're learning to interact um, at that age. Trying to get them to interact on like a message board was <laughs> a totally different thing. By the end, by I think Christmas, we had a really good flow of things, but it took a while to really get into the swing of things. Oh, I, I bet. Absolutely. So I know you're not an expert on what I'm about to ask about, and you can only really base this off your experience, but how do you think the past two years or so is really going to influence the kids in the in the coming years, right? I know you had the grade seven, some of the older kids, but do you think they're going to be behind more? Do you think they're going to jump back into being sort of overcompensate, maybe be more social going forward? Or what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think, I think it'll depend a lot on, on the individual kid. Um, like even last year I was, I was back in the classroom, but kids still had the option to be online. And after the first semester, a few kids did opt to come back into the school. Um, and for those kids, I found like maybe you had to work with them a little bit more to like motivate, like, yeah, no, assignments have to be handed in on the due date. Those count now. And like, <laughs> like I had one kid come back and um, he was away for a while and I'd still post things online. And he, he came back and goes, oh, yeah, the links didn't work. And I'm thinking like that would work if I didn't know how to post the links from the year teaching online. So I'm like, well, try it on this computer. And it works. I had to like, like you can't get away with the same things. <laughs> but I think I think they'll come back into it. Like I think they're pretty adaptable. And uh, either way, they'll find other students that are at their level, and they'll kind of group just like everyone does in high school, right? You'll you'll find people that match where you're at, and you'll go from there. So I th I think I don't think anyone's going to be held back in a way they can't overcome from. What kind of advice would you give current grad students at Western? Uh, I'd say an important thing is um, making sure that you don't let your projects like overwhelm you. Um, keeping on top of your own health is important. Like I know there was times when 
you're really under the gun. Like there's a lot of pressures in grad school, right? So it's easy to say, oh, I'll just, I won't sleep much this week or like I'll put off exercising or I'll just eat junk food and all that. Um, but it does really impact you over time. And like, it's a slow creep, right? So you don't always necessarily recognize um, the impact it's having until, until it really hits you, right? Um, so I'd say like nothing, none of the deadlines are more important than your health. And like everyone's more understanding than you'd expect them to be. I think like if you explain like, oh, I just simply can't do this in the time you're asking, people are accommodating. Um, and the world doesn't end if you don't meet a deadline, right? <laughs> uh, other than that, I'd say make sure that you you pick something you're interested in and also um, find colleagues and supervisors that are supportive. Like um, I know when I was interviewing, I felt like, oh, you're interviewing, they're interviewing you to see if they'll take you in the lab, but you're also interviewing them, right? You want to make sure that they're a good fit for you and they're going to support you. And if you find like you're not getting certain things that you need from uh, one person, you can always ask other people. Like I found everyone at Agriculture Canada, like it was so many people were willing to help. Like if you had a problem you couldn't solve and they couldn't solve it in the lab, you could go to another lab and they'd have advice or talk to somebody at lunch and they'd have advice or send an email to someone you haven't met and they'd have advice. Uh, lots of people were willing to help and it felt a little intimidating to ask, but I found there was, everyone was willing to help if you asked. Yeah, definitely a, a team effort one could say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So were there any experiences you had during grad school that like really stood out like, like a best grad school experience? Yeah, I thought uh, conferences were one big thing that I thought were we're great. Um, I got to go to a couple, like we always went to, there was a plant conference in Guelph every year. So we'd go to that as a lab. Um, we got to go to one in Montreal and one in Edmonton and um, even ones right on campus and get to hang out with your lab mates outside of that context of the lab and get to know each other better, which helps the team effort, like you said. But also seeing uh, what other people are working on can be really, really inspiring for your own project. Like maybe you see it going in a different direction after that. Uh, or get totally new ideas, right? It's just really uh, fun and inspiring to go to those. Okay, so since you kind of went into grad school with the idea that you were gonna go into research, but then you kind of shifted gears and decided that teaching was for you, do you kind of have any advice for grad students regarding like changing career paths or you know, if they decide halfway through they don't like what they're doing, like just some kind of advice on, on that aspect? Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing I've noticed, like when you look back in hindsight at the other people I went to grad school with, um, of the, there was uh, like three people I was really close with in grad school. Of the four of us, only one of them still doing research. And everyone's kind of found their own career um, based around their own interests and things that they want to do. Like I went into teaching, another one's in consulting, another one's working in the medical field. Um, everyone's using the skills they learned, but in a different way. Um, so I know sometimes it feels like, oh, like the be all and end all is like PhDs and postdocs, or you might think like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but everyone I know has found their own path and opportunities come if you're looking. So the other thing I'd say is, um, even if it's something you decide like, oh, I'm not going to continue with research, like never hurts to have um, those letters in front of your name, right? Like MSC or PhD or whatever. Uh, there's like a cost to it because that's time if you're going to switch careers entirely. Um, that's time you could be making a wage, right? You could be earning a salary. Um, but I think like for me, in my case, it was by the time I realized, oh, I'm probably not going to pursue research. 
it was worth it to stick it out to the end and continue my project. You still meet a lot of good people. You learn a lot of good skills. It's always good to show that you can do the work because just having a master's in general shows like, oh, you're diligent and you're thorough and you can really stick out hard things, right? Um, and I think employers in all fields would recognize that and um, really appreciate that. But if you're finding it's absolutely not for you and you hate it, um, there's nothing wrong with that either, right? Because uh, there is a cost to it. Like that, a year not earning a salary, that could that could be a $40,000 cost, right? So uh, all things to consider. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Sort of off of that, do you think you would be where you are now if you didn't do your graduate studies because people do go into teacher's college right out of undergrad. Do you think that things would have worked out the same if you had just sought another path? No, I, I don't think they would. I don't think they would. Um, a big thing for me, like if I look back at the last couple of years was that I did find like grad school was a struggle. And if I had have just gone right into teacher's college, there's a lot of skills I learned in grad school that I wouldn't have, but I probably would have just, I would probably would have gone to teacher's college in London here um, and gone into teaching and that'd be fine too. But I know my year in New Zealand was a big like learning opportunity for me. Um, like, cause you're living in a new country, you're experiencing a new culture. I took on like a lot of like challenges. Like I, uh, you do a lot of hike. I did a lot of hiking, like you climb a mountain, you see a lot of things. Um, I got more into hobbies like running and things like that. And then coming home, I had a whole new perspective and took on new hobbies and new interests that all kind of branched off from that, that I don't think I necessarily would have uh, done had I just stayed in London and lived at home for that time. Um, so for me, I'm really happy that I did. And I think it, it really worked out. And not too many mountains to climb here in London. That's not for too many, sure. No. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm just curious. Um, that sounds really cool. What was your favorite part of living in New Zealand? Uh, favorite part was definitely like the, the nature and the opportunities to do hikes and things like that. They had such a great, like, well, tourism board, but also like their parks and, um, those kind of things. Like you could hike up, they had a, one really cool thing was they had this hut system where you could go hiking in a mountain for like hours and they had it mapped out where these huts were. And you just buy like a $5 hut ticket and just leave the ticket in the hut and you've got a place to stay with a wood stove and a bed and all that. And then some people would just go from that hut and they'd hike through the mountains for another day and stay in another hut. <laughs> you can do that. Or, um, I did, they have a series of like great walks, which are just like the big hikes you can do. Um, so on one of the school breaks, me and a friend went and did one, um, I was staying in Christchurch, which is on the South Island and the, the top of the South Island has one of them. Uh, and that was great. Cause it was like, yeah, we'd hike all day. You'd get to a hut. It was one of the more popular ones. So there'd be a bunch of people there. Um, and you're all cooking on camp stoves and talking and hanging out at night. And then you hike, you, uh, hike on to the next one for the next day. And usually a lot of the same people are there, or some new people. So you get to meet a lot of different people and see all the nature. And, and they had every kind of landscape, like the oceans there, there's mountains, there's forests, there's prairies, like everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so uh, what other experiences during your grad school do you think have helped you to be a teacher now? I think really the, well, I think learning to be organized was a big one because as you know, like if you don't keep your lab book really, uh, really organized, then what, there was no point in doing any of it, right? So that's come into uh, teaching a lot because there's a lot of paperwork and there's a lot of things that you have to keep on, keep track of. 
Um, I think relating to different people was a big one. Keeping in mind like uh, like stress management, like knowing like, okay, this is not the be all and end all or like prioritize your health and those kind of things are good, uh, good lessons just for any career, but have helped me also. This is kind of a spin off of what Jordan already asked, but if you had to go back and like do grad school all over again, would you take, do you think you'd take the same path that you did or would you, would you do something, something different? Uh, knowing what I, like if I could look back and know everything ahead of time, um, I know I'd interviewed for a few labs and one of them had said, well, I won't have any opportunities till December. And the other one um, that I interviewed with said, yeah, you can start in September. Uh, and I, to me at the time, I was like four months, that's, that's such a big hit to my career, right? I can't do that. Um, but I think I might've been more interested in the projects in the other lab and um, been a little, I enjoyed it a little more. Uh, but that being said, like I said, I got a lot of good things out of grad school and uh, no regrets from this end anyways. And do you have any advice for things to look for, for the, those interviews that you mentioned? Like, um, I know for me, something that I, I always mention to, to undergrads is the, how hands-on the supervisor appears to be and whether that suits you. Are there any other characteristics of a supervisor that potential graduate students should look for or look out for? Yeah, for sure. I'd say not just the supervisor, but the whole, like, like don't just talk to the supervisor. The supervisor's really important. Um, but talk to the other people in the lab too and see kind of how they're doing and do they enjoy it and what are they working on? Because um, that's one thing too, when you look at people's websites to find out what they're learning, what they're researching. Um, I know when I went in, uh, having like looked at, looked them up beforehand and read it, it was really on um, like plum pox virus was a big part of the website. And then I came in and realized, oh, that was a project that they're kind of wrapping up and all the research projects are different right now. <laughs> so talking to some of the other people was really helpful. Um, if you could, I'd say maybe go on and see who the past uh, grad students are because that too, if you're in the lab, people are always trying to put a positive spin on what they're doing. And you don't want to uh, say anything negative about your, <laughs> about your supervisor, right? Um, but if you talk to former uh, students, maybe they'll give you a more honest opinion. And yeah, I'd say just make sure like you're going to fit in socially too. That's important, right? It was great. Like I found that there was lots of people um, that I got along with well. And I thought AdCam was a great fit for me, but I could see for other people, maybe they wouldn't. Um, and that's important too, because you're spending a lot of your time there for probably two or three years, right? At least. <laughs> so yeah. it's important to make sure like you're going to be happy in that with that group too, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I absolutely agree. Unfortunately, we're out of time now. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you. So this has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. You've been listening to an episode from the series Hashtag Graduated Life. I've been your host, Jordan Vanderbert, and my co-host was Carly Sharon. We've been speaking with Patrick Langill, and this episode was produced by Emily Hutchinson. If you'd like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcast at sogs.ca. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Gradcast Radio. To listen to us, we are on Radio Western 94.9 FM. You can also find all of our episodes wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of your day.